we did for a while a thing of marry, sex, kill, but instead of kill, we said send them to Mars because I mean, you know, likelihood. But is you can't, you can't have any fun anymore, can you? God, I know. Damn snowflakes on the right. They used. To, they I were know. always saying they were on the left, but they're on no. the right actually. Projection. That's what they do. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday roast. I hope you're all very well today. We have two wonderful guests with us once again. Marina, Marina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who, I don't know, is living under a massive rock? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure can. So I'm Marina Perkis. A lot of people know me from Twitter, where I spend. A lot of time just trying to hold the government to account, just drawing people's attention to the going on, the hypocrisy, sometimes the the humour through it all as well. Um, so you can find me there at Marina Perkis, and I'm going to plug the troll. The troll is my podcast, so you've got the rest is politics for you know your insight. You've got news agents for your analysis, and the troll is like a lighter alternative when you need someone just to talk about it in a way that's reflects what you're thinking which normally because of the bin fire that is uk politics isn't good wonderful the troll is amazing and who do you do the troll with i do the troll with the amazing Gemma forte again another political commentator and she's just a superb human i also spend a lot of time on twitter um my name is uh, jennifer cassidy i am a departmental lecturer uh, in diplomatic studies here at the University of Oxford. I've been here uh, 12 years. I specialize in the research of artificial intelligence, uh, the foreign policy of Silicon Valley, social media's effects on politics. And that's why I did my PhD in, um, but this was pre-Trump using Twitter. So we were just hoping that someone was going to use Twitter before my final Viva. And then six months before, I was the only one who was kind of being like, yeah, keep tweeting. And because he was just a walking, breathing thesis. And then I researched on how diplomats use social media during times of political crisis. And my actual main case study was the Ukraine, which was 2013, though, 2014. And the day before the, my Viva, uh, Trump was treating North Korea, saying "little rocket man," and there was a, my, uh, in our in our family WhatsApp group. My dad just messaged saying, "Look, we could all be dead in 24 hours, but we just need him to keep tweeting for 12 hours, and you have got this." And I was like, "Yeah, that's it. That is some family, you know, support right there." <laughs> so yeah, I judge myself to my own name on it. It was made many years ago. I know I could change it, but it's at Oxford Diplomat. And yes, I also spent a lot of time holding, trying to hold the British uh, uh, government to account. Every day I get asked, why are you commenting on this? And I'm like, because I live here, pay taxes here, teach UK students here and vote here. Um, I don't know. Why do you, why are you commenting? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, my co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, I'm Alex, also known as Political X. I run my own YouTube channel. And I'm a historian and I do a little bit of commentary on politics. And my magnificent co-host, Max. My name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about British politics and Brexit in particular. Well, usually we go for that topic of how's Brexit going. However, I'm going to, for a curveball, go to Marina first. How did it feel calling Jacob Rees-Mogg a liar to <laughs> Do you, think you know, do you think you know better than the British people? I think you lied to people and they believed you. 
I think the you British people are more intelligent than that. The British people <laughs> weighed up, are you weighed up they Brexit. Not, are you telling me they should have known to know you were alive? Ah, it was satisfying, but not satisfying enough. There was so much more that I had to say to him. And nine minutes is just... I had so many things, so many punches I wanted to land on him, which is probably why... I carried on even when they were going into the break and into the weather. <laughs> my my co-partner, my podcast co-partner, Gemma Forte, said it sounded like they were dragging you out, like you know, because like, <laughs> I was just kept going. Um, but he is a slippery eel of a man, and um, I but I because I, I was brought in to talk about culture wars. He they thought I was going to be talking about Roald Dahl. I was like, I'm absolutely not doing that for nine minutes. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was great. But I still think back and I'm like gosh you should have said this you should have said that got caught up in some of the detail but what can you do did my best you did a great job um, what, what, can I ask what did you get to meet him before or after the show so there was there was about a the minute but hmm. uh, no oh, and by the way the green room at GB News is a cesspit uh <laughs> it is it's basically I looked up I saw it was Nigel Farage was in the office uh, I saw Dan Wooten Amanda Patel that that freak priest dude like they were all there and i'm just like get me out i'm like just just staring down at my phone like don't look up every time you look up you see another shill like just don't look up it's a circle um, of hell circle of hell and then i was brought in to uh, the studio where jacob reese mogg was and it's a strange studio because there's not a single cameraman or woman it's just all mechanical basically all, like automatic and I said, I said to him, oh, I said, oh, there's, there's no camera crew here. He said, no. I said, um, what happens if I launch across the desk and throttle you? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, we won't be doing that, will we? But I was fuming. Like, I was so angry um, with him. I still am. And in, in fact, breaking news here, first exclusive, uh, they asked me to go back on with him yesterday to talk about the fact that he obviously is positioning Boris Johnson as a completely innocent man and the Partygate inquiry is a kangaroo court. And again, I would love to talk to him about that, but I can't and won't do GB News again. Don't blame you. Did they no drag him out? Hmm? <laughs> no, they didn't drag me out. No, it was all very, it was fine, civil, but I didn't, it was, a, I've never been somewhere where you normally get sort of accompanied out, taken to your, <laughs> taken to your car. I was just like, left. Like, oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, just getting, I'm laughing everyone, in support. Oh no, no, it's fine. But I felt, I feel like everyone hated me in there. Everyone loved you outside yeah. of it. Everyone oh. was like, yes. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Say more. Like, oh. that. like yeah, it was wonderful. Like that <laughs> man. Just... I, I, I know you don't want to go back on and you said on the show, you don't want to go on, mm. back on, but I, I would. I think many people would like to see you back on it. If you, yeah, round two. I would respect you if you do reconsider because th mm. they need people to challenge them. The head of the Reform UK party went on. Uh, sorry, mm. reform, uh, rejoin EU party. Sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, Alex uh, was on, <laughs> and he he's going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> That's quite the switch. Yeah. Uh, was on, and uh, he 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 stood up to them i can't because of the who backs it i can't because mm. of, i don't want to give them validation i don't want to drive viewers to their show like there's all sorts of reasons that it doesn't doesn't sit right with me i would happily debate jacob bruce mogg outside of gb news uh, we brought this up with Gemma as well mm. and we're, we're going to segue beautifully to jennifer on this because Gemma Gemma also called richard tice a liar repeatedly which was just beautiful and even he seemed discombobulated beautiful word um the 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 thing i also noticed like what you what you said there as well marina was he was expecting you to talk about roald dahl and and the culture wars mm. it was really interesting you outed him 
and mm. it was almost like his brain couldn't compute. <laughs> like he really seemed to struggle. He kept you like he started rambling on about Roald Dahl's book when you literally just insulted <laughs> him, which was just deranged. And and again, this also beautifully links in Jennifer. First of all, do you think any of those lumbering knuckleheads would be able to get into Oxford if if you were the the person in charge to select them? So Jacob E. Smog did history. I think Boris did PPE. Cameron did. No, PPE. he did. He did classics. Mm. Oh, he did classics. Yeah, because he can. He compared himself to that Roman dictator, didn't he? Yeah. Um. Uh. A lot of them did PPE, and I said I taught PPE for six years, and I mentioned that. I, it's, I believe it's the Financial Times, but they wrote the article saying the course that ruined the country. Brilliant article, recommended for every student. Give it to every student on the first day. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Hope you're settling in. Here is an article, and no one here is turning out like this. I will refuse to allow my student, because there's four, you know, there's 40 different colleges. I'm not going to go around naming certain colleges that have produced the most prime ministers, but there's certain colleges, but uh, that was not the college um, that I teach at. But like one of my, I only have like only five rules. And I think they think I'm like an ogre before before they meet me. Just like hand your essay in on time. This, you know, I won't correct it if it's this, blah, blah, blah. But the fifth rule is, it just says ego. Uh, I have no room for ego in this tutorial room. I have no room for ego in this lecture room. Um, if you are severely attached to your ego, please leave it at the door and you can pick it up on the way out. But I, but it will not be taking place in this classroom. I have a question yeah. related to that. Do narcissists know that they're narcissists? Does Boris Johnson know that he's a narcissist? Does Jacob no, Rees-Mogg know? Well, don't they say narcissists don't? If you ask yourself the question, isn't it? If you ask yourself the question, and I am, am I a narcissist? Then you're not. You most likely are not the narcissist mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. even reflecting on the fact a narcissist would never be like, am I the narcissist? <laughs> but, you know, most of the time they truly, that's that's the, I get, I'm speaking like I'm some kind of psychology, like major, like, <laughs> um, but but the, most, most of the time, I think that the, the really worrisome part is that they truly believe, like these true, nar- like as in personality disordered, like diagnosed personality disorder uh, narcissists, and they know they're manipulating to a certain extent, but you know it's not. Um, it's not they definitely don't have the ability to empathise, which is something you get all the way. Yeah, 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 get, yeah. Um, there's a there's a book which is I've forgotten who's written it now, but it's about um, people, uh, particularly men, who go to those sort of public schools and how they have sort of the emotion like crushed out of them. Um, was it George Orwell? Um, I think it might have been who basically. Re- the, the the other go- the other boys found out that he liked butterflies and as soon as they found that out about him they absolutely annihilated him as a result and it, it, that was anything you couldn't show any weakness you shouldn't you shouldn't show any sensitivity it was been beaten out of you at, in those places so which is there, there is some thinking behind this which is why we get people who come from that sort of public school background which are sort of compassion free zones because they they were sort of conditioned to be that way uh, alongside like the emotional aspect one aspect of because a lot of them you know went to the the public schools as you call them here and then go on to either this university or the other but a lot one of one of the things that i, I really do notice is because we have the tutorial system 
it is you have to write a 2500 word essay every single week um for two classes and so that didn't happen in my undergrad like i might write 2500 words like once every like three weeks for a class but and you have to then go into the tutorial and defend it usually one-on-one -on -one with the lecturer mm. now there's no way any human can keep this up for for eight weeks and know exactly while just maintaining any kind of uh social life or just like being a healthy human being so you actually have to one of the skills that you learn in the tutorials is the ability to waffle or the ability to uh, go back and forth with experts on like really high topics without actually knowing too much about it mm. and you mm. do that after three years like you uh, three years every single week two tutorials on two separate topics writing the essays and then going in and having to defend it that's why they can just like sometimes exactly. i look at yeah point i was gonna say i've said the same thing before about the debating societies that yeah, so exactly. many of these people because they are taught to argue the thing they don't believe in with yeah. such conviction and then then they carry it through into life which exactly. is that i mean it's, it's a skill but it's also a it's a deception skill yeah, so it really, like, there's, there, there's that, I, I sometimes look at, you know, I've said it so many times about, God, so many uh, um, Tory prime ministers, after the biggest, you know, scandals, uh, I've said to people, I don't know how, you know, when the, the chamber's packed and, like, all the cameras are on and we're all waiting, like, to comment or think, I'm like, how on earth are these people walking to the podium? I Again, I would just run away. I'd be on a flight to Mongolia. You'd never see me again. I wouldn't be able to stand up in front of, of everyone and make a defense and lie or, or do do it. But they're so used to it. It's and nothing to is, them. This is the problem because people like you and I wouldn't be able to do it. And we wouldn't necessarily even put ourselves forward for that role. Even Chris Bryant, yeah. I think Chris Bryant was actually asked, you know, would you, you, would you be would you stand as a Labour leader? Now, I think Chris, Chris Bryant is actually a very impressive uh, yeah, Labour politician. You. And the fact that he's like, oh, gosh, no, not for me, is so symptomatic of the problem. It, mm. You know what I mean? So, symptomatic of the issue. That yeah. well, people who are most deserving of leadership positions won't put themselves forward for it. And the ones yeah. that aren't think they're fucking, sorry, think they're absolutely, like, perfect for the role. And that yeah. that's, gets us in the pickle. That we, it's the same thing about loud voices, isn't it? Like, my husband's an introvert. He's so reflective. He's so analytical. And yet he never really, like, truly believes, like, in himself. Like, you know, it's always the ones that are self-reflective and stuff that don't put themselves forward for the big stuff. So I've yeah. sort of not smashed my husband there a little bit. But, um, yeah. No, 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 it's true. It, it is, and it's the same. It's And you can see it developing within the universities. And, and I, I feel really bad now. I don't know the um author of this book but it's called chums the author went to uh oxford and he was the editor of the cheryl uh the magazine here so he he do you have the name simon cooper simon cooper, cooper yeah cooper, yeah <laughs> yeah so i read it last year but it's it's in it and, and i believe that the the subtitle is how the oxford union it's, it's how, how the oxford how a tiny cast of Oxford Tories took over the UK. Yeah, and so it's it, it basically is saying like it is not it what it's not the Oxford University that created Brexit, it's the Oxford Union, and it's it's a phenomenal book, and it's it looks at he was there during Johnson's time, Gove's time, and he looks at J Johnson running for president of the union, 
and failing first. The exact it's the exact same thing as what happened in the, in his prime ministership. Then he got it again, and everyone on his slate in the Oxford Union was everyone who was his um in his cabinet. So this just wow. it's just oh, like another it's just another extension. It's a frat house. It's a frat house. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So and that's why they ha- they are, they're standing up there using all the skills they learned mm-hmm. in the tutorials with all the people around them that were you know in the tutorials with them or in the Oxford Union with them. Can I can I just um, say something yeah. just something yeah. about that just to interrupt you for a second. Yeah, like I, I was I was watching uh, PMQs this week or watching part of it and I was really disheartened by the the theater. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be much better? Maybe it wouldn't be very theatrical. It wouldn't be very interesting to watch. But wouldn't it, been, be, wouldn't it have been better if Keir Starmer stood up, asked a question, and Rishi Sunak or whoever was opposite or filling in for the Prime Minister that day would say, yeah, that's an interesting question. Here is the answer. Yeah. Like, like as if, you know, if you were, you know, in a meeting and you asked your boss, OK, uh, how are we going to achieve this goal or whatever? And they actually answered the question. I'm not saying yeah. I understand politics is about, you know, dodging and whatever. But while it would make boring, it make PMQs pretty boring. But wouldn't we be better off with something like that? Yeah. Where, yeah, what is know, the purpose of it in its current yeah, is, state? Yeah, there like, is no exactly. Apart from it being a clown show, what it, I don't understand the purpose of it. And it's really descended into just point scoring and, you know, coming back with some sort of dig against Corbyn or something or some Captain Hindsight. Just it's just again, it's sound bites. We've got we've got a government government by soundbite at the moment. Yeah. Well, and it's I, always I... been like that historically. Part of the sort of philosophy of Parliament, from my understanding, which is essentially you make sure there's someone holding you accountable. You're not just sat there having yes mm. people all agree with you. And the, also the, the the idea is if you mess up we've got an instant replacement that's been analyzing all your work and figuring out all your faults. That would be the, that would be the sort of philosophical idea behind it. I'm not saying it works. It clearly doesn't. I don't think it's ever really worked because how do you force someone to give you an answer? You, Alex, yeah, it's even but, worse but, now. That's right. Um, yeah. No, it's all I think it's ever been good. Personally. I think it's, we, we, we've got a home secretary that just last week said an outright lie she said that the um so in terms of the migration applications and the amount that we processed first time around had dropped uh, so the backlog had dropped by seventeen thousand. outright lie yvette cooper stood up said as much corrected it the the speaker gave uh, gave Braverman the opportunity to correct the record yeah. and she shook her head when she said the asylum initial decision backlog is down 17,000. Now, the asylum initial decision backlog is clearly defined by the Home Office as the total backlog of initial decisions uh, before and after June of last year, and the Home Office figures show that it has gone up from 132,000 to 137,000 for main applicants since the beginning of December, and it has gone up from 160,000 to 172,000 for all applicants in the first quarter of this year. On either measure, that backlog is up and not down. I raised this as a point of order on Monday, and the Home Secretary refused to correct the record then. I have written to the Home Secretary this morning, but still heard nothing back. And the Ministerial Code requires that Ministers give accurate and truthful information to Parliament, correcting any inadvertent error at the earliest opportunity. 
I know the Home Secretary has a history of breaching the ministerial code, yeah. but, Madam Deputy Speaker, would you agree that facts matter, that it is not acceptable for ministers to fail to correct the record if they have given inaccurate information to Parliament? And have you heard from the Home Secretary about her intention to come and correct the record? Yeah, she was uh, well, I uh, thank the Right Honourable Lady for her uh, point of order. Um, as has been said before, and I think this was said when she raised the point of order yesterday, it's obviously not for the Chair to adjudicate in cases of differing interpretations of statistics. That said, if a minister has made a mistake in the House, I would, of course, expect them to correct it. The Right Honourable Lady has put her perspective on the record. Um, ministers will have heard it, and I am sure the Home Secretary will reflect on whether a correction is required in this case. Now, what was the, what's the point? What's the yeah. point? No, no, it's a waste of time. I, I've covered yeah. it on, the, on my channel a number of times where the speaker stands up and says, um, would you like to correct the record? No response. Uh, well, you know, we can't really debate. We can debate the figures, but we can't. Yeah. No, it's not a debate. Either the numbers went up or the numbers went down. An interpretation, yeah. Yeah. like, no. And, and, Swe and Suella Braverman didn't stand up and say, no, your, your date is wrong and this is the date I'm using. Right. No, there wasn't a debate. It was like, I'm not, I'm not actually going to answer the question. No, it's fine. Yeah. Move on. But there's like, no uh, these flaccid speakers, right? They do, they do nothing. They're absolutely useless. The only time I ever feel that you actually get somewhere, and it's not always, the general election when they're on TV and they're having to be really held to account. But there are failures. I am fuming with the BBC. Boris lied about Russian interference twice she allowed boris to get away with russian interference the person pulled her up and said why haven't you released the report and he goes out and says i've seen nothing in the report that suggests there's russian interference the report comes out and it says there's russian interference but it's worse than that because you've actively avoided mm. going into further detail and mm. in the end one i did a video on it and in the end i had to go and i went off and read the u.s senate report the Mueller report watched a bit on CNN and a bit with Hillary Clinton and got more out of that about the state of Russian interference over in the UK from America than I did from the UK report. And in mm -hmm. fact, last week, we had uh, Ben from SMR Radio come on and say it's better to go and read the news in Europe or in the States. Of course it is. Their analysis of Brexit is also accurate. Yeah. Whereas we're because just they don't started. have to sell anything. Yeah. And then have you seen, sorry, just on the, the oh. on the topic of our gutter press, Daily Mail, it's got a new journo in town. Shock. It is going to be exactly what I think. Hi folks, Boris Johnson here. I am thrilled to be asked to contribute a column to the Daily Mail. It is going to be completely unexpurgated stuff. I may even have to cover politics, but I'll obviously try to do that as, as little as possible, unless I absolutely have to. I'm much looking forward to making my first contribution to those illustrious pages on Saturday. Join me in the Daily Mail on Saturday. And the video, like the, it's like the 30 second trailer for, there's no words, but yet there are all words. Like, but the, but the, 
Yeah, but the advisory body said uh, you shouldn't have actually done this. You're actually yeah, in breach he's, of the it's, rules. He's, he's now in breach of. But, so it, but it's only advisory, so it's not on. going to make any difference. You know what? I'm so sick of this shit. I, all of them breach it. Nadine Doris did the same thing with Talk TV. She didn't give enough notice. Coming up on tonight's programme, as as you were, Sunak's stability extends to the cabinet with the big beefsteak and all their cages, but Bradman back at home in the Home Office. Sorry, I've just completely messed up. At least hers was longer than 30 minutes. He gave them 30 minutes notice. What is the point in having a committee in place that has got no teeth? Like, it can't, can't, there's no, there are no sanctions. Or and Nadine hasn't formally even resigned. No, she's still like one job in, one job. She's like, she's oh, not. So the, the word on the street is that she's going to potentially delay that till the autumn. Because soon enough, I wanted to get them all out. Bish, bash, bosh, three in one day. And then it just like, if it was a hammer blow, take it all at once. Well, she's going to drag it out. October. That's the that's the, the, the rumor I'm hearing is that it'll be in October when they have the. Uh, is it is it okay to say na- national conservative Nazi Nazi conference. yeah Nazi, Nazi conference, conference. <laughs> like idiots this is so much doesn't it I've, we have segue quite a bit but I'm going to bring it back because there was a question I was going to bring uh, to Jennifer which is how did it feel to utterly destroy Richard Tice. He recently accused RT shock Leo Raghur of hijacking the Brexit issue and claimed that the amount of trade crossing the Irish border was, to use your own words, and I quote, irrelevant. Can I say as a point of information, there is no such thing as an Irish land border. It is a UK border imposed on the island of Ireland. The Irish border is the sea. If you think it is irrelevant, can you now speak to the social and political implications to the people of Northern Ireland if a hard border is introduced, if you care so at all? A picture tells a thousand words, right? Think of a glass jar with a thousand smarties in it. I was going to note your analogy, which was horrific, by the way. Hang on. A thousand smarties. Those smarties represent all of the trade that goes across all the 28 uh, countries uh, in Europe. Okay? The trade that goes across that Irish border is between one and two Smarties. It is a tiny, tiny amount. How dare you? This is not about economics. I've asked you about the social and political implications for the people of Northern Ireland if a hard border is introduced. It's not going to be introduced because everybody has said oh, it's not you, going to be When you, you say know, everyone's not said it's going to be introduced, that's, that's, that's not what, the, that's not what uh, Jean-Claude Juncker has said. He said there has to be. We can't just have animals coming across well, the border without again, being I'm checked. I'm glad you know better than the people of Northern Ireland, the people, the politicians well, Everybody has said everybody has said they're not going to impose a hard border. The head of the police force in Northern Ireland says he worries this could be a trigger for violence. Is he part of a Remain conspiracy as well? I don't look. The reality is, well, you guys, I mean, you know more about policing in Northern Ireland than the head no, of police. No, of course I don't. But but there is no reason for that to be the case. So when Assistant Chief Constable Barbara Gray. Gray who heads up the counter-terrorism unit in Northern Ireland, says, we predict that a six to 12-month period, if there's a no-deal Brexit, there could be an upsurge in violence. That doesn't worry you at all. Look, of course everybody should be worried if, you know... You don't sound very worried. You just made an analogy about Smarties, and we're talking about the return of violence. I used used an economic point. But we're not talking economic. So let's let's go back. Let's violence. Let's, Before I go back to the audience, let's deal with the violence point. Then we yeah, have to no one wants violence. Let's we, be very clear. Yes. But let's go back. People let's are warning of violence, Richard. What do you say to them? I say, why did the head of the EU's own uh, report... Oh, God, many moons ago, when I came... It just came from a couple of my offices right, up, right opposite the union. And to be honest, I actually did not even know too much about him other than like a few articles I'd read being like this guy <laughs> seems like 
pretty much an idiot. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it just like as a small background into the the, the Brexit uh, scenario was that I p- kept quite when people say to me, "Oh, you're interfering in um, you know UK politics," I'm like, "Oh my god, it's almost like I've lived here for 15 years." So shocking. Um, and also, even if I didn't live here, I'm like, I'm I lecture in politics. I didn't become a lecturer on politics not to have an opinion on politics. Like, mm. oh, I'm sorry. Like, so like that alone. But um, but when the referendum came, came about, I actually didn't say anything. I actually, I was in the middle of my research, so I wasn't doing much. Like, I actually didn't do any public tweeting and or saying something. Because I actually, and this might be co- controversial, but like regarding the Leave and, Re- and Remain, but of course, I was uh, remain, but I do believe that every country has a right to decide whether they want to be in a regional block or not. Like that's where Article 16 exists. Be it like ASEAN, CARICOM, uh, the Arab League, uh, the EU. It doesn't matter. Every country has a right to decide. Uh, so, but there's leaving, and then there is leaving. So there's like leaving. Bye, guys. Thank you for having us. We're gonna have to like make trade agreements. Let's do this night, you know, we've got a border issue. Let's, you know, get the best for our country. And then there's like guerrilla warfare leaving what we saw, like literally taking everyone out, like the most unnecessary way. Of course, I didn't in no way wanted to, like I was absolutely gutted when um, I saw that, that it was uh, leave. But when the issue of the border came up, I was like, okay, now you have me now i will be publicly speaking because my grandmother lives like right on the border my um, mother grew up on the border during uh the troubles like they still remember like you know like uh put, putting the uh, couches up against windows you know for bump, bump. so it's like and for for my grandmother yeah, she, she was no she wasn't alive then but her family had a tailor shop um, her her uh, father had a tailor shop, and and her siblings were, of course, Irish family, like eleven siblings. But uh, they were some of them were alive during the nineteen sixteen rising, and my great grandfather was the last person to dress Paulie Pierce before he was executed. So their tailor shop was blown up in the nineteen sixteen rising, um, and then they moved to what would become the bo- the border. Like talk about like, so she I'm saw like- all of that. Yeah, she saw the troubles. Then saw so the good the Good Friday Agreement, the removal of the border, and she she just celebrated her ninety third birthday. I had it up on Twitter. She was like massive glass of gin, like she's gonna outlive us all. She's amazing, and she but she was just like she's like we basically always say to her you're gonna outlive us all. But she goes, she said about Brexit, may the good Lord take me <laughs> before a hard border comes in. She's like I do not want to be like. The fact that I that I was like this woman is going to see a hard border come back in like inches from her, from, mm. so that's how I got like really really into it. But then, so I was just like it's so it was so personal regarding the ties thing, and I had just given like a full lecture as I said to politics, e- economics, and philosophy students, and he tried to ex- this is what set me off when he tried to explain to me economics through a jar of Smarties, I was like. How I didn't go, like, as you said, go for a lunch. Like, how I didn't just jump up on, up on stage and <laughs> recite 
excuse me like how patronizing and then my childhood friend is beside me if you watch the video she's like oh. she she's my be my childhood friend since i was 10 like in ireland but she lives in london she's like oh here she goes again you can see her <laughs> like you, oh oh jesus yeah this is jennifer oh she's off you can just see her putting her head down she's like she knows yeah but but it was this thing of like brexiteers in england who didn't know anything about Northern Ireland, didn't know anything about Ireland. Like, and and as an Irishman, I was pretty upset when I was hearing Brexiteers like saying, oh, we'll just put the, we'll put, we'll sort that out after. Like, do you not understand the importance of the Good Friday Agreement? Of course, uh, Dominic Rabb had never even read it. And he was, when he was challenged, he was like, yeah, I, I refer to it from time to time. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's my, it's that's 35 my pages. Name. Could I just mm. ask you, um, since you had such a critical role as, uh, role as the Brexit Secretary, I presume that in fact you had read the Belfast Agreement. Please don't line up behind the Immigration Minister and tell us that you haven't read the, the agreement. Um, I haven't sit down and started at the beginning and gone through it, yes. but of course at various points in the negotiations, um, when issues have been raised, it has been an important opportunity to delve in to the different aspects so look very which, carefully. So, which aspects of the so you haven't read the Belfast Agreement in its entirety? I haven't sat down and gone from. I've used it as a reference tool um, to make sure that I understood and could satisfy and reassure myself that in relation to a the commitments that were made on both sides um, in relation to the joint report in December which was the basis of what we were going to do on the backstop, that we're not impinging on anything required by the Belfast uh, Agreement, and also to make sure more broadly, in a positive sense, that what we're doing can promote peace, stability. Notwithstanding, what I recognise is a difficult set of questions for the people and the communities in Northern Ireland. So you're confirming that you haven't read the Belfast Agreement, you were the Brexit Secretary, the backstop, the engagement with Lady Ireland. I'm answering all your questions <laughs> to the best of my ability, yeah, and I'm doing it honestly. Yes. So it's not like a novel, you sit down and say, do you know what, over the holidays, I'm, this is a cracking read. But it is an absolutely vital constitutional document, and I consulted it at every moment, where either as of my own initiative, or whether as a result of advice of officials, an issue was raised to satisfy myself that we would never do anything. I don't need to undermine the letter, but also the spirit of the Good Friday Agreement, or indeed the political stability that I'm sure in good faith we all want to preserve. Good. And could you just confirm, for the record, that you did read the provisions in the agreement which referred to a border poll? I am familiar with those. I I don't have a copy of it in front of me, if you want to test me on the detail, but I am familiar with those. Yes. And We're running short of time. We're running short of time. Thank you, Chair. Sorry. My actual claim to fame, if I may say so, it is that I was the one who found that video. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That that's like how like so he's my arch nemesis. He doesn't know he's my arch nemesis. <laughs> like he's never met me, but he is my arch nemesis. Um and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> will not care in the slightest. But I will care. Oh, he is my arch nemesis. But I saw so when I saw that clip, I was like, "Oh no, this has to be." As I said, because I work in AI, I was like, "This is a deep fake." Or like, there's absolutely no way this this is this is a huge. And like, I'm looking like basically looking at where his college was. Like, he, like he was schooled in like in human right, rights law. I was like, 
So I, I did all the checks before I treated this. I was like, okay, I can't be like, he didn't read the good friend. You negotiated a 584 page document, but you didn't read like a 30, 34 page, two of which are the front and back covers, two pages. And so I, when I found out, I was like, but oh, here we go. And then I just, mm-hmm. and so like, if you just Google my name and Dominic grab, I was like, I and I have never let up on it. Like I, I have just like any time. But like, but he wasn't some he wasn't some backbencher. He he was the Brexit Brexit. He ne- I was like this Brexit is the lead. Ne- yeah, the yeah. lead negotiator. I was like, he negotiated the as I said the five hundred and four four pages. Didn't read the only document which was the cause of contention, which then dragged the Brexit deal and negotiations out for years allowed all of the Republic of Ireland's money to all our resources, diplomatic um, agenda setting, our time, along with all the other EU countries that we had to waste. So that was one of my, like, I'm getting frustrated and heated now, but that was one of my big annoyances when the Conservatives were giving out about the EU, say the EU are stalling or the EU aren't giving them enough conce- uh, concessions, like and Ireland being in the EU, like, adding in that. I'm just like, Great opportunity for me to be clear that the threat to the Good Friday Agreement in the, uh, as it's reflected in the Northern Ireland Protocol has come from the EU's politicisation of the issue uh, and to be clear on how that's happened and why that's happened. Um, uh, our commitment to the Good Friday Agreement and to avoid any, any, any extra infrastructure at the border between the North and the South is absolute. Uh, we've made that and I've had conversations well before the issue of the Internal Market Bill has come up uh, on the Hill with, uh, with, with Senate and uh, House uh, leaders and figures. The UK action here is uh, defensive in relation to what the EU is doing. It is precautionary. We haven't done any of this yet. Uh, and it is proportionate. Uh, but what we can't have is, and this is contrary to the Northern Ireland Protocol and, of course, a risk to the Good Friday Agreement, what we cannot have is the EU seeking to erect a regulatory border down the Irish Sea between Northern Ireland and Britain. Uh, and uh, I've had really good conversations and I think it's been helpful. When it comes to Brexiteers, why is it there's this arrogance when it comes to ignorance? Like, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure, like with Richard Tice or Dominic Rabb, like, what's, what's your take on that? Uh, because I think, the, well, if we look at the cabinet and who ended up being in the cabinet um, following the 2019 election win, it ended up being that very small pool of people. They had a very small pool of people to cho- choose from after they basically hemorrhaged a load of them but after they, they voted against the, the whip, if you recall. They did the purge yeah. of the half-decent Tories. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've le- you left with a very small pool and these people were either massively ignorant and thick not to know the repercussions of this given their positions or they were they knew and they were complicit and they did what johnson did and they rode the brexit wave into downing street into power and that was their way of holding on to it so uh, i think that's i think that's it i think that you've got people who's the people that johnson ended up surrounding himself with are these you know you know his article that he wrote these um deluded and disciplined stooges like the Nadine Dorries but then you've got the people who are look at Liz Truss for example absolutely sense you know without spine because she she saw everything she, she's talking about now and my goodness she did an interview for GB News as well I'm not sure if you've seen it yeah that is a person who who is I don't think I know anyone in my life who's like that who can just ditch all of their morals all of their principles even though they know that there's reams of footage out there of them saying what they truly believe 
and pursue something that's complete opposite that will damage people's lives and livelihoods etc all in the pursuit of power status money whatever and i think that's who he ended up surrounding himself with so you had a you had a mixture of people basically none of them good it's interesting that you brought up the word narcissism well we have brought up the word narcissism as well and we brought up salada bravin tracer coffee when she got pulled up about the woman that died from starvation like the news anchor who was interviewing her for sky it was almost like it was almost like that clip from the simpsons tell you what sir from now on you'll be uh, homer thompson at terror lake let's just practice a bit hmm? when i say hello mr thompson you'll say hi check hello mr thompson remember now your name is homer thompson i got you hello mr thompson Oh, now, when I say hello, Mr. Thompson, and press down on your foot, you smile and nod. No problem. Hello, Mr. Thompson. I think he's talking to you. Um, I know you to be a compassionate woman. I just wanted you to talk to me briefly about um, Mercy Boguma. And for our viewers, Mercy was uh, a woman who died of starvation in Scotland. Her uh, little baby was found crying next to her. You were asked about it at the time and you didn't want to talk about it. She was an asylum seeker. Having reflected on it, what, what would you want to say about it? OK, I haven't actually been asked about this lady before, so I don't know where that's come from. Um, but um, but I you think know who it, I'm talking about. I think I know the situation, and it's a lady with uh, immigration status that may have changed. Uh, this really is a matter for the Home Office to decide uh, what the immigration status is for each individual. Um, I'm conscious that people can also apply uh, for changes to the Home Office if they are uh, struggling with aspects of that and uh, the Home Office can make that change so they can get access to public funds. I'm afraid I don't know the individual no, details no, of this lady. No, I understand lady. that, but as I said, I know you as a compassionate woman. This woman starved to death with her baby next to her. Well, I don't know the exact ins and outs. I know it happened in Glasgow fairly recently. Um, but really the Home Office is the person who decides on whether yeah, or not as a human we being, can do that. What sort of society are we when a woman starves to death? What I'm trying to say, Kay, is that when people are in uh, very difficult situations like that and they're looking for help from the government, there are ways they can access that help, but I don't know the individual know, case. I'm, asking you, I'm giving you the opportunity to be compassionate about you know, you well, know Kay, I've just said, know, people can. You know enough to know that this woman died and her starving baby was found next to her. And as I've said, Kay, when people are in very difficult situations, there are ways that the government can help, but it may need an application from them to say, I need some help in this way. So I don't know the exact in, in there, but the government has been helping millions of people across the country. Uh, people without recourse to public funds can apply to the government to get a change in their status so they can get support, uh, but that, that takes them through a Home Office route, and then organisations like DWP can help. Okay. There are procedures in place, and she's literally, like, mm. stumbling her foot, going, like, empathy. Suella Braverman brought up 154 children gone missing. Where the f are they? Where the f are those 154 kids? And they pulled her up in committee. Secretary, uh, you and I both have two children. What would you do if one of them went missing? Well, um, I, I would call the police immediately. This week, there are still 154 unaccompanied asylum-seeking children still missing who, who were in a home office hotel. What are you doing to find those children? Well, we are um, we are ensuring we we use 
in terms of unassigned, uh, unaccompanied asylum-seeking hotels, uh, unaccompanied asylum-seeking children uh, in hotels, uh, we are using hotels uh, to accommodate them because of an unprecedented increase. Uh, our first preference is to ensure that, uh, and I'm going to use a term you ask, um, uh, obviously with, with, of course, due respect to, to the children, but uh, we, we, our first choice, uh, by far the best measure, is to uh, accommodate USCs in uh, through the local authority in foster care. And uh, we have, uh, uh, it's been incredibly difficult to identify uh, sufficient places uh, for, um, for, for those children. Uh, however, we were able to get that number down to, let me just get sure that I've got the right. The parliamentary answer I had is 154 that remain missing. Yeah, right. Um, again, you asked me about this, I think, at the last session. Um, and this is obviously a, an incredibly serious issue. Uh, we've worked very intensively, and we've now got that number down to zero. There are no USCs accommodated in hotels following an intensive uh, focus led by the Home Office to ensure that all of those children found appropriate foster care in local authorities. I'm very grateful to the local authorities who stepped forward. With respect, Home Secretary, that's not what I asked. I'm glad that there are no unaccompanied children being kept in hotels because none of them should be in the first place. It's entirely inappropriate that they should be housed in such a way that I, what I asked is what are you doing to find the 154 children still unaccounted for? So any child going missing is extremely serious and that's why we work very closely uh, if, if that case arises with local authorities and the police to operate a very robust system of missing persons protocols uh, to ensure that uh, the appropriate efforts are put into place to identify where they might be. Are you aware of the names, the dates of birth of these children that are still missing? No, I don't know. Uh, th these would be operational matters for the police. It's not for me to intervene into specific details of cases As secretary, to do with missing persons. As the Home Secretary, your department put these children from where they went missing. I'm asking you if it was your child that had gone missing, as, as it were if it were mine, as it were if a child I'd never met in my neighbourhood went missing. The entire neighbourhood was out looking for them. Who is looking for these 154 missing children? Yeah, well, what I would say is that we have actually no power to detain unaccompanied asylum-seeking children in these hotels. Mm -hmm. So what you're suggesting, are you suggesting them? that we detain them in more secure accommodation? I'm suggesting that you care if 154 of them go missing and have not yet been found. Um, with respect, it is incredibly difficult uh, 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 generally, when it comes to missing persons, uh, if you speak to the police to trace them, if, 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 you know, it is incredibly challenging to find someone who does not want to be found. Um, how do you know but, that however, we take this issue very seriously. When children who are in the UASC category are notified as going, having gone missing, we work with um, the uh, police. Sometimes they are located and they are traced, um, but they are... Um, th there is an intensive and quite extensive package of uh, social work support, local authority support, um, support workers who are specially trained to look after USCs, who uh, provide the activities and the well-being support that's necessary to, protect, to, to, to safeguard this particularly vulnerable cohort of people. He said in the answer that some of them may not want to be found. Is that because they're afraid of being sent to Rwanda or because they're in the hands of traffickers? 
uh, I mean, you're, I mean, you're asking me a hypothetical question that I just simply don't have the answer well, to. You what we do know is when you look at listening, you don't know where they are. We've also got to be really honest about the children, the profile of the children we're dealing with. The vast majority of children are 16 or 17 years old. Um, if they've come here unaccompanied, uh, they, if, if, if we, you know, many of them will, we also get the situation where many adults claim to be children, um, uh, illegitimately so. 50% of age assessment cases are resolved in the Home Office's favour, i.e. they are actually adults. Let me just give you the profile. We're, we're dealing here with largely 16 to 17 year old children. They are children, we owe them legal duties. They are, uh, as I say, largely, um, and as of today, uh, the ones in our, uh, in our care are housed in foster care. Um, that is by far the best form of accommodation to safeguard their needs and their uh, vulnerabilities and to support them. But uh, of those children uh, who have gone missing because they were previously in hotels, there is of course a multi-agency uh, missing persons protocol which is mobilised with the police and local authorities to do everything possible to establish their whereabouts. How long will you keep looking for them? You'd have to ask the police unless you know, but that is a missing persons protocol which the police apply and they have to take a, a judgment based on the intelligence and the facts of a particular case. It's going to be very difficult to know, isn't it, if they're in the hands of traffickers or if they're running scared of being sent to Rwanda, when you'll actually find them, isn't it? My, my, the Home Office's position is that if you are a UASC um, and you are in the, home of, the care of the Home Office, uh, you're encouraged to remain within the accommodation that's being provided and not to run away. Uh, you are provided with all of the resources and the services to which you're entitled, schooling, mental health, health, uh, other well-being support. There is, as I say, an extensive and a package of which I'm very proud because we've worked hard to build that package to ensure that UAS are properly supported. And running away is something that I wouldn't uh, encourage or condone. Well, for children in those circumstances, people in the sector have said that your Rwanda plan has caused such fear in those young people that that's why they're disappearing. If you want to talk about Rwanda, I mean, the, the point of Rwanda is a deterrent. We want to stop people coming here on boats in the first place. We want to stop people making this illegal journey in the first place. We want to stop the people smuggling gangs exploiting vulnerable people. We want to stop them putting uh, children uh, on their uh, unseaworthy vessels, uh, travelling late at night without a life jacket, in the vain hope of getting to a life in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. And it got skipped over the news because Boris basically run roughshod over everything. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but it's the sort of thing that people need to see because these, these are the people, like Therese Coffey was in charge of, you know, work and pensions, for goodness sake, uh, you know, health at one point. Sola Bravman in charge in charge of home security. Like these people should be nowhere near those positions where people's welfare is at stake. Where you you know a degree of compassion would be handy, and they are completely without it. It's actually it's actually frightening that yeah. I, I really do think they see. And, and if you look at some of the language again, to quote Gary Lineker, you know the nineteen you know nineteen thirties Germany and nineteen forties Germany, you know, the language from there. Um, I, <laughs> They do that on purpose. I I genuinely think that they they think the, the, the us plebs are beneath them. We are mm. subhuman. That's how I think they think of us. 
when it comes to the asylum seekers, I, I think there's a genuine attempt to to maintain this as an issue. So like, okay, we could actually invest the resources necessary to bring down the numbers of asylum seekers. But if we did that, then we'd lose this as an argument against the other side. So we, we don't fix the problem because if we fix the problem, then what do we have left? Because we don't, we can't run on the economy. We can't run on the NHS. We can't run on anything else. Sorry. Marie, on that, no, on that though, which is really interesting. No, because you're right, you're bang on. Because the illegal uh, migration bill that they are trying to push through it was it, it was hit the headlines a couple of weeks ago that it was going to cost six billion pounds over two years, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you actually do the calculations based on this, you know, seven million pounds that we're spending per day at the moment, apparently, which is because of a failure of the Home Office putting people in hotels, seven million pounds a day. If you actually times that by three hundred sixty-five times two, it wasn't even as much as six billion. No. So the cure isn't even well, you know, it's it's not better than the problem. Yeah. Yep. I know, and, she, and didn't she say in Parliament that Suella Berman said, oh, I haven't done the calculations, haven't estimated the cost when she was mm. asked about the bill. Yeah, and, and then, then they're not like, going okay. to. Yeah, and she said they're not going to, basically. It's like, until I get into it, I'm not going to be able to tell you right, how much it's going to cost. These bastards never did anything. know that. Like, the, like a yeah. parent to a child, oh, you don't, don't worry, don't worry, you're trigging their heads about that, citizens. We'll do that. And, you know, it's the, uh, like, just coming back to the point on 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 her, on the, the, the children missing, and you're right to, you know, 100% right to get uh, so um, uh, frustrated and, and you know, uh, I'm angry about it because that shows, obviously, that you're human. But did, uh, what I picked up on there when, when because I, I, I haven't heard it too, because I'm, I missed it because of the whole Johnson thing, you know, taking over the news. Uh, but those qualifications that you said that she uses saying, oh, well, some of them said they were 16 and or, you know, X or Y or Z. That's like another key tactic that they use. And, oh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, I just watched him a uh, whole interview on this before this, defending a Johnson and Porsche. It's all these, uh, about Harriet Harman, all these little things. But then you go, if you then go down the rabbit hole with them oh hang on yeah but they're 16 but they weren't like how am i here if they're 16 17 or 18 they were missing mm -hmm. they're 50 or like 50 60 70 year old missing there's 154 people missing but but you're making all these qualifications and they always interject and and again mm -hmm. i i'm i know i'm bringing it back to tutorial system that is a product of it yeah, like swerving the swerving the argument, but have you thought about that? Catching other people off guard, and then you're you don't know whether to go down the rabbit hole with them, and if you do, if you and if you keep the line with them, they keep the same answer. But I do truly find, and this is just my my personal opinion, like I truly despise Jacob Rees Mogg. Uh, I just said. Clearly, I'm not coming up as a nice person on this, but like uh, you are, Dominic, you're a I'm nice Dominic, person. That's why you I hate Dominic, them. Dominic Rab is my arch nemesis. I hate <laughs> um, age. But but, <laughs> just, it, but it's like well, it, you take out my list. But Suella <laughs> Braverman really is for me. She is a very very scary persona, very scary politician, and um, you know Dominic Rab um, is just very dumb i mm. do believe um jacob reese mogg is just a kind of like wind up loyal clock 
or like, you know, one of those dolls you wind up and says the same thing to support the leader. Um, and just very, like very inflated view of, of himself. But Suella Braverman, the statements that, that, that have come out and her refusal, again, to acknowledge things like this and, and just even to speak or answer she she's terrifying yeah, she, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys saw the um her comments about uh, caroline lucas caroline lucas is yes. yeah yeah like, really really like the way she stood mm-hmm. across the um the dispatch box and laughed in a in know. almost laugh and then she realized oh actually i have to be a more civil spoke with characteristic Alarmism, if I may say so. We've come become accustomed to her do-mongering over the years. And I will actually miss it, I have to say, when she leaves this house. And let me take this opportunity to thank her for her years of hard work for her constituents and for the causes about which she's so evidently passionate. But, Mr Deputy... Oh, my goodness, what a massive hunt. Um... So one, notice towards the end how she said, uh, you know, I want to congratulate. Yeah, and we're laughing about, and we talk about narcissism and it got, again, I am no psychiatrist and I'm not diagnosing anyone just before anyone starts their own comments being like, but that is, that laugh, it's called, the, the term is called duper's delight. Again, mm-hmm. for people who are actually di- diagnosed with this, this is why she, she does truly scare me um as as a politician um that laughter and that kind of glee that she got from she could see that she was um not intimidating but she could see that she was you know ruining someone's moment you know this was her you know resignation after like you know a, a great career she could see that she was pushing them down and that that smile of duper's delight is narcissists truly gain energy from that they gain while other people would feel drained from it, she was energized by suffering. Yeah, but but also, oh, but don't forget the, the plane. Sorry. She was, you know, it was yeah. it was her dream, a dream to see people deported. I'm stress laughing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm stress laughing. Yeah, that mm. was yeah, exactly. Like that Wrong is super delight. If I I didn't even, I forgot about that. Like if you ever hear her, like she almost makes Roald Dahl characters seem quite reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's. Let's face it. I mean, she gets called out by a Holocaust survivor and she survives. Mm. She loses mm. 100. Imagine if we, any one of us in the education position had lost one child and we turned around to the parents and went, what do you expect us to do? Have them handcuffed to us. Yeah, okay. like I, I, I'm an assistant dean at one of the colleges. These are all over age. Like these are all of age. Could you imagine? Like, and we're always told that when we act, I think it's one of the best things to do. You act with the thing in mind while you're on her. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever wondering about a decision to make, think, okay, how are you going to defend this? You know, why, what, why, why you did the action? This is regarding like with the welfare of students, like well, your honor, and along with the empathy and, and all that. But, but exactly. Could you imagine if like, there was like one student lost and they mm-hmm. rang up the college? Oh God. They're of age. What are we to do? Not like, my problem. Just... Like where I work, uh, you know, my actual full-time gig, which is like a US tech firm, I can't see any of this lot surviving. They're too no. toxic. They're too like, even it, you, you know, it's all me, me, me. Like there's no diplomacy. They're yeah. just, and it's just, and also I, I have to say, I do think a lot of them are stupid. Yeah. I, I think they just, they they know they've got the, they've got the lingo. They know how yeah. to, 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 
mislead. They know how to massage, massage, sorry, numbers. Um, but I do think they're stupid. Yeah. Who, who yeah. believes that you can close the sea? <laughs> I don't no, know. again, my Irish nemesis. Mm. didn't understand the importance <laughs> yeah. of Dover Calais crossing either. Asked what, had he gone to Ireland? He said, yes, I have been to Belfast. Sorry, what? Like, mm. yeah. And also he believes misogyny can happen to both a woman and <laughs> a man. So no. such a bright spot. He's, a, he's an equal opportunities bigot. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the worst? He is one of the worst people I have ever. Okay, okay, right. We're gonna we're gonna step this up, right? We should all be celebrating, shouldn't we? No. Didn't we all have no. cigars and champagne out? Because Johnson's gone, Brexit's dead, and it's not us even saying that. It's Farage. It's gone. They had the yeah. four-year period. Youth aren't interested. Trump's going to jail because of the espionage acts. 37 counts. At the height of when uh, Trump was in charge in 2018, so he was elected in 2016, 2018, people were saying it can't get any worse. And I, <laughs> and I, and I was, I was, I, I always said, never say that because it can always yeah. get worse. Mm -hmm. But with Johnson, Johnson gone doesn't mean the Johnson belief, the Johnson way of doing things is gone. You, mm -hmm. you know, the liars and charlatans are still there. Johnson, yeah, he was the king of charlatans, but you know, you cut off the head of the hydra and another one grows up. So another one grows in its place. So, yeah, you're going to have more people like... Because because the, the, the problem is the media as well. The media just continued to push. Like There was the guy from The Express uh, debating, in a sense, with uh, a journalist from The Guardian about, you know, about Johnson. And he kept saying, oh, this is a this is revenge for Brexit. This is this is nothing to do with COVID. It's nothing to do with him lying in Parliament. This is revenge. This is the blob. This is the Remainers trying to get Johnson out, and they have succeeded. But so it's, it's that a bit is like... an admission that because if Brexit was as great as they promised, we'd, 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 we wouldn't have to. There'd be no revenge to take. We'd be like, oh, actually, do you know what? You guys were right. This is lovely. Thank you. But yeah. it's not no, like that. Everyone bitter. knows it's a shit show. <laughs> And and but like all, all the all the people who I, I fully agree that like think one should be celebrating with with the with those headlines, except just slight footnote that Trump can actually run a president presidential campaign from jail. I have just found out the camp. So you know, Lula. Yeah, I know. Imagine uh, heads of state going into jail, taking that when you're heads when you're elected heads of state. Yes, Do you accept this call. Yes, yes. But I he think, can't become think, president, surely. I think he yeah, can't. Uh, I think there's, because it would be he, a treasonous he, act, I think that bans you from running for president. If he, if but he's, there is some kind of strange loophole that I heard, and I'm like, this is the thing. This, These are the loopholes that we think it'll never happen. And, you know, his lawyer, you know, I, sh I shouldn't even be laughing at, about this, but his, his lawyer went on and one of the best arguments they could make is they were saying oh 37 you know uh, family charges and they're like well he well he's arrested will he have to get a mugshot and they're like oh no he won't have to get a mugshot everyone knows who he is so don't worry about that i was like is that your best play card here that he doesn't have to get a mugshot like this is where we're at like we're rejoicing that he doesn't have to get a mug she's like oh no and she thought like oh gotcha there like i was like got what like you didn't win an argument because he mm. doesn't have a all those people and we we saw it from the moment the report was published and um, looking at, at johnson 
all those people who supported him in the media who were complicit who you know never called him out who just uh were worried that in some way that they would you know he would target um their organization all the people in the conservatives just like we, we talked about Liz Trust, who just ditched everything they believed in, all in the quest for power, they are all still there. Yeah. The, wa- the waters have been poisoned, like, and that sounds dramatic, but it's it's, it's extremely true. And the one of the worst things they've done, and this relates to uh, the the Trump as well, and it's what, what I, I had mentioned that H- Hannah Arendt, I always ruin her second name. My apologies for pronunciation a or e and t but what she was uh is one of the greatest political philosophers of all time and truly obsessed and she wrote uh she escaped nazi germany moved to, moved to the u.s but wrote about uh totalitarianism and populism um and her book is the art her main book is the origins of totalitarianism um and it's written in 1951 and she but she wrote about fake news before fake news was even a term. And the quote is, the ideal subject of totalitarian rule is not the convinced communist or the ardent Nazi, but the person for whom fact and fiction and truth and falsehood no longer exist. Blows my mind. Like I could, I could literally, we could be here for like five days and like, and the next quote, like I could, I quote reams of her, but what they have done both you know this side that side of the water and and, and here and, and in hungary and, and and many other places it's not just the extremes it's when you create this middle group where people are doubting what is true and what is not and who they can believe and and what and even if it's a tinge in the back of your head sometimes i get this like hang on i'll have to fact check that like looking at that video of dominic rab i think that's a deep fake like the fact you have that in the back of your head and if you have that in your society um where nothing is believed there's no objective truth and you're always doubting that is one of the worst worst threats to any democratic process i i, I think so yeah we, we can see i'll i'll jump in there with finland finland's got one of the lowest rates for this which is fascinating. And then you look at their education system and it's fantastic from what I can tell. It's not perfect. wouldn't say that, but it looks like it's higher end. And yeah. the, the things I've been advocating for that we should all be doing are actually things that we're reducing. So if you want to increase IQ, learn a language. That helps. Yeah. Uh, have a decent diet. Do physical exercise. Added they to also it. teach about disinformation. In, yeah. In, yeah, 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 yeah. They actively teach about that and how to look for it online. Um, small classrooms don't have more yeah. than 19 in a class. And I was looking at Labour's policies on education. It's total shit. Like, there's nothing in there from that leaked document. I'm not, I, and I've said this before, at the present moment, I wouldn't vote for Labour. And I've been a Labour member before. It's not. Who are you voting for, though, Alex? What's, um, so in my area, Mm. I would vote green. That's who I'd vote for. And you could argue t- you should t- go tactical voting, but my yeah. area always goes Labour, and mm. it's had Harriet Harman in. Okay, fair and, enough. Um, which you know we could we could debate over, but I would vote mm. green as a protest vote, and I like green policies. Um, Marina, what what are mm. your thoughts on Labour? 
Oh, said I'm so I'm I'm more and more disillusioned and disappointed by them, but and I hate this, but they will still get my vote because we live in a two party essentially because of first past the post. That's the way. That's the way it is. If 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 it were not that way, I wouldn't vote for Labour. But it's not. It's not that way. So my the, the first objective surely has to be get the stop. Yeah, get the Tories out. We can't have another Tory government. This country can't. But, but do can it. I can I say? Uh, but I I, I hear the mm-hmm. strain in your voice and like Labour are not exactly helping the situation, are they? In the Lords, mm-hmm. they failed to support Jenny Jones's fatal Baroness in Jenny Jones of the Green Party. They failed to support her fatal motion that she tabled in response to the government trying to overturn a house this was something that was overturned by the House of Lords, trying to use a ministerial decree decree, which is a like a secondary piece of legislation, um, first time ever to overturn this. And it's basically it boils down to this. They want to change the interpretation of um uh, anything more than minor in terms of disruption when it comes to the public order bill. They want to change anything anything more than minor to, sorry, they want to change the meaning of serious disruption to be anything more than minor. Mm. Now, that, because there was no support from the Labour Lords, is going to it's going to pass, right? That means that public order bill that yeah. was already authoritarian as hell has just been made even more so. Uh, and that, to me, was shocking. There was just no need for them to not support it. The, what they came out with in response to that was to say, actually, you know, we, we we don't block in the House of Lords. They're basically trying to say that they are playing by the rules, which is pathetic because this lot don't don't play by the rules. They rewrite exactly. the bloody rules. You can't play rule book with the rule book with these guys. And I'm just so sick of them let, 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 like letting us down, taking us for granted. Every single one of us that voted that wanted wanted to remain, just leave the door slightly ajar for us in your language. Just don't shut us out completely. All the people that want you to repeal all these shitty, you know. All authoritarian cruel like laws that have been brought in none i don't i hear nothing i hear nothing on that all the things that we we liked about labor that you know got keir starmer elected as leader he's just thrown one out the window one out the window one by one and i'm just starting to really be like you lot you lot fucking do my head in and i will give you my vote to keep the tories out but once you are in I also, I, I hope it's a coalition. I must say, I hope yeah. it's a coalition. So yeah. they are held yeah. to, they are, they're kept honest to what they have promised. Yeah. And there's that's, that's what I, yeah. But it does seem like, it, this is, I didn't do much when Brexit came out. But the one thing I said was, if this goes forward, we won't gain democracy, we'll lose it. Because yeah. all you're left with is the commons, which is essentially mm-hmm. 300 plus people in charge. That's it. Like the Supreme Court goes out the window because there's no codified constitution. House of Lords is useless, and the head of state is just some sort of weird, important, mm. imaginary figure at the same time, depending on who you speak to. I know, and, and then it. And when we were in the EU, you had a codified constitution, you had two Supreme Courts, and you had an extra parliament, which was proportional, which meant that actually voting meant something. And yet that's all being thrown out the window. Go on, go on Jennifer. Sorry, yeah, sorry, to, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. The the. Um, I hate hate say the phrase bringing it back to Johnson, but you know he ran on that very platform that you know um, Parliament is all sovereign and um, you know Brexit 
uh, we need we need to get Brexit done and and, and all his, all the, we all know all the slogans, but because we Parlo needs to maintain its sovereignty and we are like this is the the beacon of sovereignty, one of the oldest you know uh, parliaments in the world, etc. etc. The moment the 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 uh, Parliament exercises its sovereignty, it with its committee, it's deranged. Yeah. It's blasphemous. It's yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a kangaroo court, it's a witch hunt. So it's like he can I don't know the exact phrase, but it was the one of the from the conclusive remarks that the stars of the report but it was brilliantly phrased and, and, and just said he is the ma- like it's something like he's the master of aftermath rationalization or something. Yes. <laughs> Basically, like like another ac- academic way of saying he's just making up facts to fit like mm-hmm. or make, making up stuff to fit fit what happened. Um, but so he's either he either thinks the parliament is sovereign. And it's and it's this wonderful beacon thing that he's fought for and ran on every platform and around the conservative or it's not or it's a kangaroo court it's a witch hunt it's not fair you know. that's classic narcissism again it's yeah, only yeah. good and, when it any, works and, when in my favor do you think he'd be saying any of that if the bastard had won which no, he didn't. he's like he's he's uh, as we know a serial liar and he's always more what's the phrase more sinned against than than a sinner like he's just you know it's always everyone's out to get him and i'm gonna bring yeah. back to the point that i was making with marina which is there's so much power there in Parliament once you're in. That's the thing that always concerns me. And it was that quote, uh, and I paraphrase, absolute power absolutely corrupts. And that's the thing I'm looking at Starmer and going, why does he want that protest bill kept? Because he's yeah. going to be, in theory, he's going to be in. And there seems to be a lot of people on Twitter going, it's an authoritarian state, it's an authoritarian state. And as once you're in, you're in, and you're not accountable to anyone. Yeah. I so, think we've we've seen that Boris Johnson and his successors have exposed just how vulnerable and weak our political system is to people like that. And um, it's there's absolutely like you know you can see you can see how many times can ministerial codes be broken now, um, yeah. daily daily by a, a number of people. It makes no difference. You know the punishments. So if Owen Patterson made God knows how much money from his links to Randox, and yet. The suspension was going to be what was it going to be like ten days or something? But the 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 payoff that he got, I'd take a ten day suspension for that. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? There's no go the right ahead. Yeah, it's a reward. It's it's so it's, it's just a broken system that has let awful people just into it, and it, it just really scares me. It just really scares me that we're seeing this not just in this country. You see it in the US. You can see it in wherever places that that we've seen more right-wing leaders take the helm again and it just um i just want to shake people sometimes about what the fuck are you doing why do you think this person is going to help you like what is it they're saying that appeals to you and just try and understand it it comes back to that thing with the migrants Mm. what makes you think that if if they could they wouldn't treat you any different to a migrant because they because they've got a union jack flag behind them and that's my country like you know there's I think I think they do. I think that you know, I've got. I'd say it's corporate manslaughter, active murder, what they've done, and they couldn't give less of a shit. Like most. So on that cheerful note, we're out. Yeah. Oh. Oh no. Be sure to tune in.
tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.